Good morning. You're listening to Byesville Assembly of God Church. We invite you to listen close as our youth and worship pastor, Dustin Dyke, preaches the Word of God. Well, this morning we've gathered together in the name of Jesus to give Him praise and glory that is due His name. He is the beginning and the end, the starter and the finisher, the one who has been, who is, and always will be. We've gathered in the name of Jesus, and I'm glad that you could join us to do so today. Our lead pastor, Joe Summers, made an announcement last week that the board offered him a one-month sabbatical, and he has accepted that sabbatical. And so, as the associate pastor of this church, I count it truly an honor to serve alongside a man who has a heart after God's own heart. He expressed last week that many family members have passed away in his family over the last year and a half, and our pastor asked for our prayers And so this is our responsibility as the church to support our pastor in word, in action, and in prayer. And with that said, let's lift up our voices today and pray for our pastor and his family. Dear Jesus, we thank you for Pastor Joe and Crystal and their family. God, in this difficult season, I pray that you would lift their arms, that you would lift their heads today, and you would give them strength that only comes from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, would you bring them back refreshed after this one-month sabbatical as they seek you for strength during this time. We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I'm introducing a message series entitled God's Battle, and we'll be starting in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you'd like to join me in Scripture this morning, I'll be using the ESV or English Standard Version if you're using a mobile device and you'd like to switch that over to that version this morning. See, the battle is won when the battle is God's. The battle is won when the battle is God's. Did you catch that this morning? You'll hear me say that over the next few weeks as I preach some messages in this series entitled God's Battle. But I want to describe to you what I mean when I say battle because I don't want us to be confused. When I say battle, I mean the struggles that are coming up in your life. Uh, I also mean the battle with sin that you might be going through. I also mean the battle with sickness that you might be going through. Any kind of spiritual, physical, emotional battle that you're facing, that is what I mean when I say battle. And our natural reaction when battles come up is to try and fight them on our own. Our natural reaction is to try and fix things, to try and handle things on our own, to try and pick up the pieces ourselves. When God is right there by our side simply saying, my child, hold on. Hold my hand. I will fight your battle for you. As we start in 1 Samuel 17, we find the story of David and Goliath. And we understand that a group of people called the Philistines had gathered their armies for battle against the Israelites. They were in a land called Soko, which belonged to Judah. Interesting fact about this, if you look at a map of those times, you'll find that Bethlehem, the birthplace of where Jesus was born, That was just about 20 miles east, give or take, of where this battle happened between David and Goliath. Just an interesting fact, just to kind of give you an idea of where this was taking place. So the Philistines came up against the Israelites on the south side of the land, and the Israelites were on the north side of that land. Each of their armies stood on a mountain with a valley in between them. And then in this story comes a man. A big man, actually. 
a Philistine champion named Goliath of Gath. Goliath of Gath. Scripture says that he was six cubits and a span tall, which in our terms, that's about nine feet, nine inches tall. We're talking almost a 10-foot tall man. So with a man who is a champion like Goliath, I'm sure he wasn't a skinny little thing either. I'm sure that he had some weight on him being that tall and being the champion that is described in Scripture. He wore a helmet of bronze on his head and had 125 pounds of armor to go with it. He wore bronze leg armor and carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. This guy was intimidating, very intimidating. 1 Samuel 17, 7 gives us an idea of what he's carrying. It says this, The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, timed with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Now, just kind of a side note, I find this kind of funny because think about it. If Goliath was 10 feet tall and a champion... How could anyone be taller than him or closer to that? (laughs) So if his armor bearer was standing ahead of him carrying a shield, how does this seem safe? I'm picturing Goliath, huge, strong, and mighty, and this skinny little guy standing in front of him with this little shield. I could be wrong. It could be completely the other way. But either way, Goliath was scary. 1 Samuel 17, 8 through 10 says, He stood and shouted, Goliath, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight each other. Let me tell you one thing about this whole story. It's not a great idea to defy the ranks of Israel. This is God's chosen people. You don't want to mess with God's chosen people. You don't want to mess with God in general. And you especially don't want to publicly shame them in any way. Coming against the God who created the heavens and the earth, bad idea, bad idea for Goliath. However, when Saul heard that he wanted to fight against a man, he was greatly afraid and dismayed when he heard Goliath's words. The story switches here in 1 Samuel 17 after Goliath speaks, talking about David. See, David was the youngest of eight children, all Boys, God bless that mother who had eight boys. Now, see, I'm a youth pastor, so I know that when teenage years hit, there's a time and season where you have to convince junior high boys that they need to wear deodorant. It's almost like getting them to eat green beans. You know it's good for them, and they know it's good for them, but they just refuse to do it. It's a struggle, right? So I can't imagine what this mother had to deal with having eight sons. Again, nothing wrong with sons. I am one, but I just can't imagine that, having all those eight sons crazy. So David is the youngest of those eight, and he has a call on his life to be a king, a a high calling, in fact. He was just anointed to be king in the chapter before this one, and Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him from that day forward when he got anointed to be king. 
And so there's a battle going on here between the Philistines and the Israelites. And David's father, Jesse, suggests to David that he bring some food to his brothers. They were in this fight. David was going to bring food to his brothers. His father, Jesse, asked him to do so and asked him to see how they were doing and bring back some token from them. Basically, just something to say, hey, dad, we're okay. Everything's going well. So 1 Samuel 17 Verses 20 through 21 says, And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him, his father. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. The battle was coming to an intense start when Goliath came up against everyone and made the same announcement as before. He did this day after day. He wanted someone to fight against him. And when he said this, because David was right there, David heard his words. And the men before him fled in fear. David saw his brothers and asked about Goliath and what he was all about. And of course, his brothers ridiculed the youngest brother, right? And told him that he had evil in his heart. And the only reason that he came around was to see how the battle was going. All the people with his brothers said the same thing to him. Additionally, in this whole story, get this. David is a teenager right here, right now. David was a teenager. How do we know this? Because what David did next was amazing. Check this out. You'll see he was a teenager here. He went to Saul, David did, and told him that he was willing to fight Goliath. And Saul told David that he was just a youth, just a student, a teenager, and that Goliath had been a man of war from his youth. Saul telling David that he was just a teenager gets my blood pumping, gets me upset because God's concerned about age when he, God's not concerned about age when he considers what people will do for him. Now, obviously, God's not going to call a two-month-old baby to fight a big giant, but what I mean is that God is looking at the intent of the heart when he's calling somebody to do his work. So it frustrates me that Saul would look at David and say, you're just a teenager. You're just a youth. We have some amazing students in this church, students that are called to amazing things. Teenagers or younger people are sometimes looked down upon just because they're young. And at times, people that are older than them come along and see the age difference and think that they've got something on them just because they're older. And yes, they may have life experience, but when it comes to the call of God, God will do what he will do. And to look on someone because of age is complete nonsense. God is looking at the intent of the heart. There may be some people in their 50s that might not be ready to do what God is calling someone in their 30s to do. Or it could be the other way around. Someone that's in their 30s might not be ready to do what God is calling someone in their 50s to do. Regardless of age, God is looking at the intent of the heart. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 28 says, Instead, God chose, the, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise, and He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. See, we have some amazing students here in our church, and I know I don't have to vouch for them because there's so much support here in our church for our students, but I have students from our youth ministry here in Byesville 
that have gone on to be pastors, some who are called to be missionaries and police officers and heart surgeons and athletes and musicians, and the list goes on. And I'm proud of our students here. David is looked down upon because he's young, but he doesn't back down. Get this. He persisted with Saul and told him that he had killed lions with his bare hands when they tried to attack his father's sheep. He took care of the sheep, and he did a very good job at it. In fact, David had killed lions with his bare hands and different animals that had come against his sheep, and he believed that he could take on Goliath. So, after much persisting from David, Saul gave in. Saul gave in to David. He even, he even offered David his battle gear, but David refused the gear and was sent out to battle as a teenager. I love this. Remember when I said when David was anointed as king that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. You're about to see the results of this in action. David picked up five smooth stones from a, from a field nearby and, and put them in his bag All he had was those five stones, a shepherd's staff, and a sling in the clothes he was wearing. With his limited gear, he started walking toward Goliath. When Goliath saw little David, he started to make fun of him, and he started making jokes about David, again, looking down upon someone who's young. When he finished with his rude remarks, it was David's turn. Standing before a giant who was nine feet nine inches tall, armed with 125 pounds of gear and a spear and a javelin, David looked up at this giant and said what we find in 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 through 47. It says, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will cut you and kill you and cut your head off. And then I will give the dead bodies of your man to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Listen, church, I hope you're understanding that in the same way that David looked at his giant, you can look at your giants in life in the same way and say this, to cancer, you can say, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies and I will conquer you today. Addiction, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. To the person filled with gossip, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. To the bad influence, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. To the difficult family member, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Why? Because this is the Lord's battle, and he will conquer today. It's not my battle. The battle is God's. And when the battle is God's, the battle is won. And do you know what happened in David's battle? Because the battle was not his. It was the Lord's. 1 Samuel 17, verses 48 through 50, says this, When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line. David didn't run away. He ran toward his giant in the name that is above every other name. 
He ran toward his giant in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Ran toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and his face fell to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. David had victory over his enemy. He had victory over his giant because he handed the reins over to God. He didn't try and manipulate the situation. But what I think, what all this leads back to is the moment when he was anointed as king. Do you remember? I mentioned this a few times already in the message. 1 Samuel 16, 13 says that when David was anointed, the spirit of the Lord rushed, rushed upon David from that day forward. I believe the spirit of God in him gave him the power he needed to take care of his enemy, Goliath. He was connected to God. He honored God. He cared about the will of God. Acts 13.22 even names David as a man after God's own heart. A man that would do all of God's will. So this bears the question today. Are you a man after God's own heart? Are you a woman after God's own heart? Or are you concerned with other things? You might be so consumed with work that you don't make time for God. You may have an addiction that's too good for you to quit and you just aren't living a life that's after God's own heart. You may be concerned with looking for faults in other people that you aren't living for God. Ask God for a rushing of His Spirit in your life. David was filled with a rushing of the Spirit of God from that day forward, and it's important that we get filled with the same Spirit that made a dead man come to life, the same Spirit that made the blind to see, the same Spirit that made the deaf hear, and the same Spirit, yes, that even raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And you will begin to trust God with your battles, and He will fight them for you. There's a song this morning I want to sing for you, and I hope that you can sing along. You may know it, and you may not know it this morning, but I want to invite you to listen. In heavenly armor will enter the land, the battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand, the battle belongs to the Lord, and we sing glory. Honor, power, and strength to the Lord, and we sing glory. Honor, power, and strength to the Lord, and we sing glory. Honor, power, and strength to the Lord, and we sing glory. Honor, power, and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's so true this morning. 
The battle belongs to the Lord. So give it to Him today. The story, uh, I have a story of my son. If you don't know, I have a 10-month-old son, and he's just an amazing joy in our life. And um, sometimes, as you know, with babies, getting them to sleep can sometimes be a little rough, sometimes not. You, it, there, you have your days every once in a while. Every parent would understand that. And so I remember one evening I was praying for Nehemiah to go to sleep. He was mad. He was mad. He did not want to go to sleep for anything and I was getting frustrated, and I, uh, you know, I had Hannah leave. I, I, I was just going to go ahead and try and take care of it, give her a little break. So I, I was, you know, just kind of gently patting him on his back and helping him to kind of calm down. And he didn't want to go to sleep. I tried everything that everyone would have probably even suggested to me. Some of you are probably thinking, "Well, did you try this? Did you try that? Did you?" Yes, I, I tried a lot of it, and mostly everything that I tried, nothing would work. And so as he was still frustrated. I saw this as a battle. Now, you may see it as a little battle, but when your son is screaming and screaming and trying to sleep and not getting there, this is a battle. <laughs> so at this moment, I went ahead and I tried to get him to sleep and he wouldn't. But what I did was I decided that I was going to reach out to God and pray and ask God to help my little boy. And so what I did was at that moment, my hands on his back, he, he's, he's in his crib, my hands on him, and I prayed over him. I said, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit into this room at this moment, and you would send your spirit into my little boy, that he would be given the rest that he needs in this moment. And I'm not joking you, within two or three seconds, my little boy shut his eyes, and he fell asleep. The Spirit of God was moving once I tried everything that I could try, I gave the battle to the Lord. And I should have given it to Him before I tried everything on my own. But we have to understand that God is fighting our battles. And two, that's actually happened two nights in a row that I did this. He was having a, some problems two nights in a row. Two nights in a row, I prayed, and He fell right asleep. God was showing me that He cares even about things that might seem little to everyone else. God will be with me and fight my battles. Another example I have of that, when um, Hannah and I were on our wedding day, a few days before our wedding, we realized that the temperature was going to be horrible. Um, it was going to be 96 degrees in Wisconsin, and our ceremony was outdoors. And um, it was going to be very brutal. We were looking up everything, like, do we rent a tent to do this, or do we go inside, or, or whatever. We had all the plans to be outside, and now we were scrambling the day before and even the day of to figure out how are, how are we going to do this. And what we did was we gave this battle, so to say, over to God. And we said, Lord, I pray that you would drop the temperature to a reasonable place so that as we're in our, you know, attire that we're not sweating like crazy and it's just miserable. And, and you know what is when we prayed that we got to the day of and it was 96 degrees. But let me tell you what God did. He sent a consistent wind. And I, I, I can't even believe that this happened. It was a miracle, and I believe it from the bottom of my heart, that God sent a consistent wind and cooled us down throughout the entire ceremony. And it, was, it was such a consistent wind that if you were to ever watch our wedding video, Hannah's veil was flying in the wind, and I had the 
help it and hold it down. That was that windy, and it cooled us down. And I, I say all this to say that when you hand your big battles to God and your small battles to God, things that even seem small to you, God doesn't see them as small. He cares about it and is there for you. So many times we try and handle our situations on our own, and we don't give it to Him And when we don't do that, our minds become skewed with the reality of our situation. Ephesians 6.12 says this that might be of help to us. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, what this is saying is that the battles we are facing sometimes seem like they are with one another against other people when they're actually not. And you, know, you get so mad because of something that someone said or did, so upset because someone did this or that, and, and then you might lash out at them. And this is not the correct response to issues with other people and the battles that you face. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that the battles we are facing are not against other people. It's a spiritual battle. It's God who is supreme above all, that is being fought against by the devil who has no power. The devil will try and get in between relationships and people and things, and it's up to us to turn to God who has the power to defeat the enemy. You cannot defeat the enemy on your own. We are just mere humans. We cannot defeat the devil by ourselves. It's a spiritual thing, and you must turn to God and let him fight your battle. And as he fights your battle, you will see victory over the enemy. You can't do it alone. There's a quote by missionary and author Lou Nicholas, and he says it well when he says this, and I quote, The important point is that our battle is not against people. It's against spiritual powers. We are wasting our time fighting people when we ought to be fighting the devil and his helpers who seek to control people and make them oppose the work of God. Some Christian groups spend their time fighting other Christians while people go to hell. End quote. Now that's a very strong quote, but it's very true. A lot of times we spend time fighting each other, even Christians at times. Well, there is a lost and dying world of people who are going to hell. And we ought to understand this, and we ought to be ashamed if we've ever taken part of this. And I put myself in this same boat that we should all take account of our words and our actions and our thoughts and put them in line with Christ. Because the battle is won when the battle is God's. The battle is won when the battle is God's. Would you bow your heads with me today? As we close, I want to ask, what battle are you facing right now, today? Maybe your battle is that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And today we're going to make the move to Give your whole heart and life to Jesus if you so desire. Romans 3.23 says that everyone has sinned. And Romans 6.23 says that the results of sin is death. And in fact, that's eternal death. But God's gift to you is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Savior. See, Jesus died for our sins on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And He rose from the dead on the third day, proving that He was the Son of God giving you the opportunity to have a relationship with Him and live with Him forever. 
This morning, I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and if you'd like to pray it with me, this will be your declaration that you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. Believe this with all your heart today. Everyone here today, I ask that you repeat after me as I pray, Dear Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Help me to turn from my sin and live for you. I believe Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the dead. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we congratulate those who gave their heart to Jesus today, and we believe that your journey starts right here, and I invite you to reach out to us if you've made that decision today to follow Jesus. Before we end today, I want to pray for a second group of people as well. Maybe some people in the last group would actually fit into this one as well, but the question is this, what battle is too much for you to bear? It's time to let God fight the battle, and it's time that we submit to God and allow Him to take the reins. If you have a battle that you're facing today and it's too much for you to bear on your own, we're going to take an opportunity and pray for you this very morning that you would see God fighting your battle and give him the reins. Let's pray this morning. Dear Jesus, I know that when difficult battles come, it's hard to keep our eyes on you. God, I pray today that for anyone facing a battle, that they would give everything over to you and would realize that, God, you are the king of the universe and will fight our battles for us. Give us that confidence today. God, give us that confidence today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you once again. If you'd like to reach out for us, the information is at the bottom of the screen. You can email us at office at buysvilleag.org, or you can also visit our Facebook page or call us or use this address on the bottom to send us some snail mail. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Byesville Assembly of God on WILE. Tune in next Sunday at 11 a.m. to hear us again. God bless you and your family from all of us at Byesville Assembly of God.